Um, our boys sometimes listen to that as they're going to bed. And so it's just a wonderful song. It's very peaceful. And, um, you know, and it's great truth. How can we fear? You know, when, when the Lord is, is by us and within us, how can we fear? And, um, and so it's a, it's a great truth. It truly is. And, um, and also, um, I don't know about you, but I like special music. And, uh, and so um, I know Pastor and his family always like to sing uh, oftentimes. And if there's anybody here that would like to sing a special, please let me know. I love, to, I love hearing special music even before preaching. And uh, so if there's something that you'd be interested in, please, you know, uh, maybe contact me, ask me. And um, I would... Thank you. Thank you for that reminder. Um, and so if you'd be interested in, in singing a special, please let me know. Um, I love to hear special music before, before I preach because it just does something to the heart. I think it prepares the, the heart for hearing the Word of God. And, um, and, and just kind of gives it a good, kind of breaks up the foul ground a little bit sometimes. And, um, and so if you're interested in that, go ahead and contact me. That would be great. Um, I think I'm going to try and get my wife to sing a couple times. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, and so there is that. Um, okay. Uh, in Sunday school, I had mentioned before about, um, you know, how we were talking about the beasts of the field and things of that nature and, um, and how um, God is the father of all life and that he has created everything. And I, and I gave you a story about a missionary, um, and I have that, I, I found it right away. Um, so a missionary was visiting a friend of ours, a church in Michigan, I think they were kind of having a, um, a missions conference, uh, sort of we had uh, earlier this, this summer here, and, um, and she said this, the, it was a missionary to Ghana, and um, he would, had stopped by, and he shared a story that, um, um, with the congregation. He said that he was deep in the jungle and that was in, there in, in Ghana. He was led to a very remote tribe of people to witness to. Now, I don't know the demographics of Ghana, so I'm trusting that this is an accurate depiction. So if I'm wrong, I do apologize. But anyway, um, he's, this is what he said. He was, he was in uh, Ghana, in the jungle down there, and he was led to a very remote tribe of people to witness to. While there, he was told about an even more remote village where they didn't even know there were actually white people or even life behind their homes. He also uh, was made aware that seeing a white man could potentially set them off to thinking that he's a demon and that he could be killed. Led by the Spirit, he decided to go. When the tribe uh, people first saw him, they ran away in fear, but shortly after they were back and brought uh, the missionary and, and those that were with them to their leader. It took four separate translators to finally build up a communication bridge, and this is where God showed his hand. For the leader of the chieftains of, the, of, that, of that village entire life, he worshipped this wooden and clay alligator sculpture that he had made. It was his God and his people's God. But one recent night, this leader was out walking around, carrying 
his God, of course, and he stopped and stared up at the stars all around him. It was right then that he said out loud to himself, I made this alligator. My hands crafted him. My body made his body. But I want to know who made those. His very nature was questioning creation. And remember, uh, where he was had no Bible, no contact outside of their people, and he had no clue about religion. He just knew in his very core that the stars were created by someone, that what he made himself truly had no power. It had zero ability to make or create anything. The very night this leader was searching for, for he who created the stars was the very night that our missionary was called to Ghana. A remote village in the true middle of nowhere was God's design. And so uh, we looked at, you know, even the heavens declare the glory of God. And we mentioned that verse in, in Sunday school. And, and I wanted to, to read that before I forgot, first of all, but then um, to encourage you to come to Sunday school, uh, to learn some, some important truths that we're learning about God the Father. And uh, so I encourage you to be able to, to try to make it out to the 10 o'clock service and, and try to, we're going to be learning about some great truths about God the Father. Oftentimes we kind of overlook him. Uh, we, we focus all our focus on Christ and we don't really know much about God the Father. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to be teaching a study about God as Father. And so I encourage you to come out to that. And, um, and so that was uh, um, something that I read this week that tied in perfectly to one of the verses that I taught on this morning, and I thought I'd share that with you. Um, and so, um, it's just amazing, God calls, and he's still calling today. Um, and he made that promise, you know, if you seek him with all of your heart, he'll make himself known, he truly will. And, um, and that's why it's so important to surrender to the call, because you might be somebody's answer to prayer wanting to know who God is. And so, uh, God works in your heart. Um, yield and, and ask the Lord to speak and, uh, and serve Him. And um, so, we're going to go ahead and move on with the morning service. Um, and uh, as you guys have probably been hearing me preach the last uh, few months, you have probably discovered and learned that I like to do character studies. <laughs> several of my series, several of my messages have been about individuals in the Bible, haven't they? And um, uh, the reason why I like to study people in the scripture is because God gave us their lives to learn from for a reason. Both their triumphs, the things they go through, but also their mistakes, their failures, they're a warning for, so that we don't make the same mistake. Because the people have been the same for the last 6,000 years. And, um, and so uh, God has given us his word. He's given us these people throughout scripture to learn from, to uh, look at their lives, examine their lives, glean from it truths that we can so that we can apply them to our own lives and improve our lives as we serve and we follow and we get to know the Lord even more um, every single day. Um, go, if you would, into your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. 
And we're going to look at verse numbers uh, 18 through 24 to start off with. Matthew chapter 18, or 1, verses 18 through 24. The title that I have for my message this morning is what I've entitled Joseph, a man of integrity. A man of integrity. And um, when the name Joseph is mentioned, the first time, you know, you, you just hear Joseph being mentioned, uh, we oftentimes, we think of the Joseph of Genesis. I think he's kind of more the more famous of the two Josephs that we know really of in Scripture. You know, when people start talking about Joseph, they think about, oh yeah, he was the guy that was sold by his brothers and, and got sold out into, into Egypt, Disney. Well, not this Joseph. <laughs> that was a different Joseph. But he usually gets a lot of, of the spotlight because his story is amazing. I mean, what God had done with his life is astounding. Um, but the other Joseph, most times, we don't hear about him too often, except around the time of Christmas. You know, usually we think, oh yeah, he's just that guy that was going with Mary to Bethlehem. Oh, that Joseph. Oh yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember him. He just, he, he was from Nazareth, right? You know, we don't really know much about Joseph, do we? Compared to the other Joseph. And uh, when we think of great men of faith, this Joseph is often overlooked because he didn't do some great miraculous event. You know, he didn't, he didn't slay a giant. He didn't build an ark. He didn't, uh, you know, win a great battle for, for the armies of Israel. He didn't do these things. And so it's very easy just to kind of overlook Joseph. Sometimes as we read about Joseph, we think, and what we think that he, that he was so ordinary. He was just a regular guy. No limelight, nothing special about him. He was just a regular, ordinary person. And it's very easy just to quickly read past where he's mentioned in the Bible. But even though Joseph was not a mighty man of valor, of valor, he had something deep inside of him that was very admirable. And he has several qualities that every man should strive for. Joseph was a man of great character and integrity. And this morning, I, I, I want to show you through the scriptures how we can look at this man and say, you know what? That's the kind of person I want to be. I want to have that kind of a testimony. Even though, even though the world may not really know who I am, when I live my life, I want people to look back and say, you know what? That man had some integrity. That woman had some character. And so we're going to look at this man by the name of Joseph. So if you're in uh, Matthew chapter 1, Let's look at verse number 18. This is kind of where he first comes on the scene, so to speak. Verse number uh, 18 of chapter 1 of Matthew. 
And the Bible says this, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought of these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for with that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So here we see uh, Joseph first being introduced. Well, who is this guy? You know, he's, we find out through this portion of Scripture a little bit about him, but who is he really? Well, let's go ahead and look at some of the, his background real quick. Uh, first of all, we read that he is a man from the tribe of Judah, and he was actually a descendant of King David. Uh, if you look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 16, there's a very important portion of Scripture and it's very difficult to read sometimes, especially as you look at all these different names. And sometimes people have a hard time pronunciating names. Why would God put this portion of Scripture in the Bible? Why is it important? Because it's going to show you that Joseph came not only from King David, and that, um, but also that he was from the lineage of Abraham as well. Verse number one says, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, probably most people kind of just very briefly skim over these next few names um, because it is a lot of different names. And if you don't really know who they're talking about, and these are the names that were kind of mentioned in the Greek. So the spellings are a little bit differently than what you read in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, but it's important truths. It says here in verse number two, Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat Judas and his uh, brethren. And Judah begat Perez and Zerah of Tamar. And Perez begat Ezram. And Ezram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab. And Aminadab begat Nason. And Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz uh, of Rechab. And Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. And Obed begat Jesse. Probably some of these names are sounding familiar, aren't they? We have the book of the Bible, Ruth. Um, Jesse is, is the father of, of David. Uh, we know of Boaz. So verse number six, And Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon, of her that had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon begat uh, Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa. And Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram. And Joram begat Ozias, and Ozias begat Joatham, and Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias is Hezekiah. Ezekiah begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, 
and Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren, about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought up, uh, brought to Babylon, uh, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Sadak, and Sadak begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliot, and Eliot begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14, and from David to the carrying unto Babylon are 14, and from the carrying away unto Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. And so, now some of you probably have already fallen asleep, <laughs> going through all those names. <laughs> the reason why we have these names is, is a genealogy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like to know where I came from. You know, at least to some degree, I don't have. Uh, it's hard sometimes to trace your roots. Um, but here we see that the lineage is carrying all the way from Abraham to Joseph. So we see there that he's actually a descendant of King David. Uh, we also um, learn that he is lives in Nazareth, in the district of Galilee. Uh, hold your place in Matthew and go to Luke chapter two. Luke chapter 2, another very famous portion of scripture, Luke chapter 2, oftentimes this is read during Christmas, Luke chapter 2, verse number 4, it says here, Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So now, tying in with Matthew chapter 1, you see, why did Mary and Joseph have to go to Bethlehem? Because he was a descendant of David. And so, and that's where their heritage was. That's where they had to go back and do their, um, do the census. And so that's why he went back to Bethlehem, because that's where his family originated from, you know, they, that was the land that they had. And so we see here that he lived in Nazareth. That's the city that he and Mary were living in when they went to Bethlehem. Uh, we also know that he is a carpenter by trade, and he has a good reputation. Uh, Matthew 13, 55, uh, Jesus has come to Nazareth, and, you know, during his public ministry, and he comes in there and and uh, he teaches in the synagogue, and a scroll is given to him of Isaiah, and he reads it, and to all those who are in attendance, he says, this day is the scripture fulfilled, talking about the Messiah. And everyone in the room is wondering, what? How can that be? We know who you are. We know who your father is. We know who your mother is. We know who your family is. That's why they say in Matthew 13, 55, he said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his Mary, his mother called Mary, and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? We know, we know his family. He can't be the Messiah. How can he be the Messiah? And so, because they knew his family, they wouldn't believe. They wouldn't believe. But we know that he had a good reputation. He was the carpenter. 
So we knew that was his profession. But at least they didn't say, oh, he's the son of the carpenter, the really, you know, the guy who nobody wants to be associated with. He didn't have that kind of reputation. He had a good reputation. Now we know that he became a spouse or engaged to Mary, and they were to be married. In Matthew 1.18, we saw that uh, before Jesus was born, it says, now this, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Ghost. And so a Jewish engagement um, could not be broken except by death or divorce, and any kind of intimate relations was not allowed. You know, as when they become engaged, officially they became husband and wife. In the eyes of all, in the, in, the, in the village of all of their family, they were husband and wife. The only way to break off that engagement was by death or a divorcement. And so you see the seriousness here. They're already engaged. They're set to be married uh, before Gabriel comes to marry so they're already in this pact, this, this agreement. Uh, they, were, they were set to be together. Now, I personally do not believe that Joseph was a much older man than Mary. Sometimes you see pictures of Joseph, and he's like the 60-year-old man. You know, I don't believe that's an accurate representation. Uh, I believe sometimes they, they use him as being an old person, an older man, to try to explain why... He wasn't there during the life of Jesus. But the Bible never reveals his age. It never reveals what happened to Joseph. Um, it just doesn't say anything about what happened. The last time that we see Joseph mentioned is when Jesus is in the temple at 12 years old. You know, and that's when they, they can't find him for three days. And they find him in the temple. And here he is disputing with uh, uh, the, the teachers and the, the leaders of the temple and and uh, they asked him, where are you? Don't you know you're, you made us worried with, you know, and they said, don't you know it could be about my father's business? Now, it wasn't a slight to Joseph, but he, he knew which business that he, had, he was supposed to be following. That was God the Father. But that's the last time we hear about Joseph. That's the last time we see anything about Joseph at all in Scripture. So between 12 and 30, something happens to Joseph. We don't know. He's just no longer alive. He's not on the scene. So think about that. If he's not there, as a young man, Jesus had to experience the grief of losing a parent to death and shouldering the responsibility to help take care of his mother. Sometimes we, we kind of, we don't really focus on that part of, of the life of Jesus. He was the oldest son. And so it was his responsibility to take care of his mother. That's why on the cross, when he was hanging there on the cross and his mother and, and John were there, you know, one of the last things that he made sure of, that his mom was going to be taken care of. Because that was his responsibility as the oldest son. That's why he said to, to John, John, behold your mother. Mary, behold your mom, basically, behold your son. He's going to take care of you because I can't. I can't physically take care of you anymore because of 
of what's going to happen today. But as the oldest son, it was Jesus' responsibility to take care of his mother because Joseph was gone. She was a widow. And so we see here, at a young, as a young man, he had responsibility. He took care of his mother. He had to go through that grief. You know, if anyone has lost a, a parent, you know the difficulties that you've gone through, the heartache. Jesus understood. He went through it. He went through that grief. Joseph had his life completely turned upside down by the Lord. Think about it. Put yourself in his shoes. Okay? He's a young man. I believe he's probably around the same age as Mary. They're, to, they're, they're engaged. I mean, all his dreams as a young man, eagerly awaiting his wedding day and his planned future with Mary. All his plans are about ready to go upside down. Everything that he dreamed of with Mary was going to change. In a great way, that, you know, for us to see him back and what God is going to do with their life. But think about it as a young man, newly engaged, seeking to live his life with his new bride. And it's going to be turned upside down. That in itself talks and speaks much about Joseph. That's what we're going to look at, his integrity and his faith. Because sometime soon after their engagement, Mary left to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who was with child. And she then stays with her for three months. So we know the background because we read Luke chapter 1. We found out that Elizabeth gets pregnant. She's, she's well past being able to have children. And her and her husband, Zechariah, have been praying for years to be able to have, have a child. And God grants that, that prayer request. And we find out that Elizabeth is going to have a son. And we're going to find out that his name is John. He's going to be John the Baptist. And so when she's six months pregnant, Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary. And, uh, and, and you know, tells her what God's plan is. And so Mary, she yields herself and she, and she chooses to do God's will. God didn't force her to become the mother of his child. Okay? He didn't force her. He gave her the option. And she chose to be the mother of Jesus. Okay? And so the angel says, behold, your cousin Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant, and this was a sign to Mary that this was going to happen. That she was going to conceive, because again, her and Joseph hadn't been together yet. And so, that was her concern. How was this going to be possible? And the, uh, Gabriel gives Elizabeth as an example. And so, I believe that Mary went to go visit Elizabeth to see for herself. To confirm in her own heart. And, and what God was going to confirm in her own heart that what the angel Gabriel was telling to her was going to happen. So she leaves, um, and so she's there for three months. She's there for three months. Now, I don't know what kind of communication that they had, that she had with Joseph. Uh, maybe she wrote to him from time to time. But I 
But when she left to go visit Elizabeth, sometime between when she arrived to Elizabeth and when she left her home in Nazareth, she was pregnant. She was already pregnant. Because uh, look here in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Go to Luke chapter 1. I want you to look at a couple of verses here that show you that when she went to visit Elizabeth, she was already pregnant. God had already, um, she had already been conceived, uh, Jesus had already been conceived in her womb. And uh, chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. Verse number 56. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Go back to verse number, uh, go back to verse number 39. I want you to, excuse me, to show you this. So in Luke chapter 1, verse number 39, it says here, And Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a, a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So Elizabeth confirms, even to, to Mary's heart, look, you're going to be the mother of, of the Messiah. So she confirms. So she was already pregnant by the time she actually came to Elizabeth. Now, three months is going to happen before she sees Joseph. And she returns home from visiting Elizabeth. She's now three months pregnant, and she can't hide it no more. She's going to have to tell her husband what's, what's going on. Now, Scripture doesn't reveal when she tells him. I don't know if she told him before. This time, it'd be kind of hard to tell somebody in a letter, you know, this is what's happening. Um, so I think when she got back to Joseph, because she had seen all that had happened, she had seen John, John be born, she was there for that, and so when she, she takes all this in, she's excited, she comes home, and she tells Joseph what's, what is God's plan. Think about it. I think the manner and humbleness that Mary told him I think assured Joseph that she was telling the truth. He trusted Mary. Because think about it. You know, take away all the spiritual application. Think of it physically, and I'm being sensitive, I know there's children here. She's gone for three months. She comes back pregnant. Joseph's wondering what happened. Why are you pregnant? Then she tells him that, well, the baby's God's. Think of how hard that, that is to believe. And yet, Joseph trusted her. And he believed her. 
Think about that relationship that they had. That when she told him what the baby that was inside him was God's, you know, he trusted her. That it wasn't somebody else. I mean, the woman that he loved and he trusted, he left for three months, she turned pregnant. It's a hard story to believe, and yet he does. Joseph could have felt very easily, felt so betrayed and broken by the news. Think about it. If it wasn't true, he would have been broken. Instead, Joseph began to think about what everyone else would think about her. Everyone knew that they were, to, that they were engaged. And there were severe consequences for anyone who committed adultery, even during an espousal. Joseph knew that Mary could be killed if everyone knew that the child was not his. That's the law. If a woman committed adultery, she was to be killed. That was the law. And so... Joseph knew that. And so he comes up, and he has to make a very difficult decision. And so to protect her, he planned to put Mary away privately and divorce her so that she would be safe. So that nobody would, would, would try to, to stone her or to, to kill her or the child. So he decides to try to come up with a plan to protect her. He did not think that God had a different plan for him and that God actually wanted Joseph in the baby's life just as much as he wanted Mary and that he was actually choosing Joseph too to be involved in the life of Jesus. So as he was thinking about what he would do with Mary, as we read in, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, he suddenly has a dream. Kind of like a daydream. And the angel of the Lord tells Joseph that the, about the baby in Mary's womb. And that God wanted Joseph to still take her as his wife. You know what the amazing thing is? Is that when he woke up, he did exactly what God told him to do. He didn't say, well, I don't, I just, I don't believe it. It's a hard story to believe. No, when God told him this was all that was going to happen, it confirmed what Mary had told him. And as soon as he woke up, he did exactly what God told him to do. He did not break off the marriage with Mary. He did not, and he made sure that he did not have any kind of intimate relations with her until after Jesus was born. He obeyed without uh, question or complaint. He took a huge step of faith that was, that was told to him in the dream was true. But think about it. As Mary grew greater with child and word now spread of her pregnancy, Joseph chose to ignore those who assumed what happened between him and Mary, as well as those who tried to shame his name. Back in those days, they still technically were not... Um, a, a unit yet and so um, didn't look good 
didn't look good for either of them. And so when the, the public found out that she was with child, and they had broken the espousal, basically, in their eyes, and so it would have brought great shame. They would have been shunned. I mean, think about what Mary had to go through, what Joseph had to go through, the, the stares, the looks, the whispers, you know? Who knows, maybe the women, as soon as Mary came around, the women left, turned their back on her. Because they didn't know what the whole story was. Both he and Mary drew comfort from each other as they believed in what God promised to them and the future of the child that was within Mary. See, Joseph realized the great task and responsibility that God had given them in raising his son, God's son, as their own. Think about it. Joseph knew the child's not his. It's God's. And that God was now asking him to be the father of that child. I mean, he was expecting to be a husband first. You know, that's usually it when you go into a marriage. Usually it's husband and wife first, then children, typically. And so here he was thinking, well, I've got some time with Mary. You know, we can live our dreams. We can plan our future, you know, with our family and things of that nature. But now it's the exact opposite. Now they have children and then trying to now adapt to that. So it was, it was different. And yet Joseph didn't say, I'm out of here. I'm not going to watch over some other guy's kid, in a sense, you know what I mean? There's a lot of men who would. A lot of men who would not take that responsibility. Yet he chose that responsibility. He chose it. We're going to look quickly at Joseph's example as a man. First of all, he was a hard worker. He eventually had his own trade and he had a well-known reputation. Everyone in Nazareth knew him as the carpenter. So he, he had a, and carpentry back in those days was not very easy. You know, they didn't have the electric tools and stuff they have today. It was very hard work. Very, you had to work with your hands a lot. Even the carpenters today, it's a very, uh, it's a skilled trade, it really is. And he had that. And that was the, the, the trade that he that he chose. You know, so he, he had a good reputation. He was the carpenter. He was faithful to church at every opportunity. He made sure that he was present to sacrifice at Jerusalem. And he taught his children how to worship God. And he protected and he provided and he loved the family that God gave him. Those were choices that he made. He was a hard worker. He was faithful to church. Because the Bible says that uh, Jesus, as his custom was, went to the synagogues. Jesus was raised in church. Every time, every time they had a meeting in the synagogue, Joseph was there. Jesus was there. He made sure that his children were in church. How about as a husband? 
even after they were officially wedded, he honored Mary until after Jesus was born. He honored his wife above his own needs and desires. He waited until after Jesus was born to have any kind of relations with her. He was there for Mary when she needed him. He showed Jesus what love was like between a man and his wife. And he protected her as they made the 112-kilometer trip from Nazareth on foot through the rugged wilderness to Bethlehem. And about two years later, from Bethlehem to Egypt, and then from Egypt back to Nazareth. A lot of traveling, a lot of dangers on the road. He was there beside her every step of the way to protect her. And protect Jesus after he was born. He did whatever it took to find a place for Mary when it was time for Jesus to be born. Even finding a lowly stable when nothing else was available. He loved Mary with all of his heart. And he stayed faithful to her when it was difficult. When it was very difficult, he still stayed faithful. He stayed faithful to her no matter the shame that came with people's assumptions even after Jesus was born. How about as a father? Joseph's example as a father. He loved Jesus as if he was his very own son. He never treated him like he wasn't his own flesh and blood. I think he, when God asked him to take on this responsibility, he did the best he could. As Jesus was the firstborn, he taught Jesus all about being a carpenter. He taught him the family trade. He prepared Jesus to understand what hard work was and how rewarding it is to do a good day's work. He made sure his family was spiritually growing and that they knew God's word. He made sure that they were in church, that their, lo their local synagogue, and that Jesus knew the scriptures. Joseph was with Mary when Jesus was presented in the temple as a newborn. But think about it. When Jesus was there at 12, sometimes we, we kind of we, we just pass it off because he's God in the flesh. Of course he knows all of scriptures. Well, there had to be some training and teaching as well in the home. And in the synagogue. And so I, I believe Joseph did his best to try to teach his son the word of God. He made sure his family was at Jerusalem for Passover every year. He taught his children the importance of the day. Of what the feast actually meant. And about the sacrificial lamb. Look, he had no idea that Jesus would be crucified during that same feast many years later. He didn't understand that Jesus was the Lamb of God. That's what, that's what John proclaimed much, much later. And Joseph never saw crucifixion. He, he always saw, well, okay, Jesus, you know, he's gonna, his name is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. He's going to save his people from his sins. Don't know how, but I'm going to do my best to raise him. He had no idea what God's plan was for Jesus. Because <clears throat> he, was, he was off the scene. He was no longer there when, when all came to fruition. And God blessed Joseph and Mary with a large family. Many of whom 
that would become disciples of Christ after his death and his resurrection. We saw earlier in, um, in Luke, but Mark chapter 6, verse 3, again, it's a parallel portion of Scripture. He says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And the Bible says, And they were offended at him because he claimed to be the Messiah, even though they knew his family. They knew all of his siblings. They knew everything about him. How could you become be the Messiah? But yet, we see here that God blessed Joseph and Mary with several born children. Joseph, Judah, Simon, James, and had at least two sisters. So, that's a, that's a nice-sized nice family. And yet, with all that responsibility... He made sure that they, they understood the will of God. James became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And he wrote the book of James. Jude wrote the, also wrote a book of the Bible. So two of Jesus' half-brothers have wrote two books of our Bible. It's easy to, oh, it's just because they're his brothers. Well, there had to be a foundation somewhere. And I believe J uh, Joseph laid that foundation. He truly did. Joseph didn't know his children would one day serve God in that way. All he desired to do was continually point them to God and let God work in their life. And that's all we can do as parents today. We don't know what God has in store for our children. We don't know what God's going to do with their life. All we can do as parents is to teach them God's word, point them towards God, and give them to God and let God have control of them. That's all we can do. And let God work in their heart. Because I'm sure they probably didn't understand the whole thing either until after Jesus rose from the dead. He did his best as a parent. He did all he could do. And God blessed it. So how does this apply to us today? Even though Joseph was not a man of great means financially, he wasn't wealthy, he wasn't a great social position in, in society, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a, a rich merchant or anything like that. Yet God chose Joseph to raise Jesus. He wanted Joseph to be the earthly father figure in the presence in his life. Think about that. What an honor. What an honor that God would choose him. I want you to be the father of my son. The physical symbolism of me. I want you to have that role in his life. I want you to take that position. That's a great honor. Think about it. Especially, I mean, as us men, think about if God would want that for us. Do we live up to that expectation, that responsibility? Joseph, Joseph chose to. Sure, he was probably overwhelmed a bit at times, but he still chose. You know, Joseph obeyed God every single time. Every single time God told him to do something, he did it. There was no doubts, there was no second thoughts, there was no disputings. Okay, God, that's where you want me to go? I'm done, I'm going. 
You know, uh, what do we see here in Matthew chapter 1 when he gives him the dream? You know, Joseph, take, take, don't, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then later, after Jesus is born, after the wise men come, you know, uh, two years after the, that he's born, they're in the house there in, Beth, in Bethlehem. And the wise men come, and Herod wants to kill Jesus and all the children that are in the area. They're two years old and younger. And he has another dream, and God says, flee to Egypt. And that very night, Joseph takes his family and heads to Egypt, saving his family. Because that night, the children were killed. He obeyed. Can you imagine if he was saying, well, I don't, I don't want to go. Egypt's so, far, Egypt's so far away. I think I'll just stay around for a little while. Would have cost him Jesus' life. He obeyed right away. He didn't dispute. He said, okay, God, that's what you want me to do. Done deal. He believed God and trusted God no matter the outcome. When God turned his life upside down, all of his dreams, everything he thought about his life with Mary, it got turned upside down, and yet he still believed and trusted God, and he followed God, and he kept with Mary. He didn't take a runner. He stayed true. Joseph had integrity. And he always did what was right to do. He was a great example for Jesus to follow. He was a great example. He always did what was right. Nowhere do you read in the Bible anything bad about Joseph. Nothing, not a single thing is mentioned in Scripture about Joseph's character that's negative. Everything that you read about Joseph is a man of integrity. We read about other people's faults and failures. We know about David's. We know about Abraham's. Yet, you look at Joseph and God says, he's a pretty good guy. He obeyed. He did exactly what I, what I wanted him to do. He was a model husband. He loved and took care of Mary as best he could. He worked hard as a carpenter to do so. He was a model father in raising Jesus. He made sure Jesus knew how to work hard, to know God's word, and the importance of going to church. You know, here's the thing. This is what I want you to, to take away. Joseph was an average person but a great character. And even though he had his own flaws and his sin nature, he was a great man of God who raised his family the right way. He chose to do that. Even though he had his own sin and his weaknesses. And that's what I think is the greatest example for us men today. To look at that and say, you know what? I want to be faithful. Just like Joseph I want to make sure I raise my children the right way. I want to be the husband that Joseph was. To stand by her when her life got turned upside down as well.